Hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Um, I'm recording this on a Monday night. This is the week of Thanksgiving. Um, I just flew in from uh, Atlanta from my last race of the year for uh, for work. And uh, I was actually going to try and get this out by today, but apparently it's going to go out late, late tonight and into uh, Tuesday. So apologize for that. But um, yeah, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys are going to get together with uh, friends and family and Thanksgiving. I hope you're going to defy these stupid, idiotic governors and their stupid, idiotic rules about who you can and can't have in your own home and who you can and can't associate with. Uh, with friends and family, that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to go on a rant with that. Those of you who know me know exactly what I think of this this bullshit. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that. I hope you guys um, actually find things to be, you know, thankful for. This has been kind of like a crappy year, you know, and it's kind of popular to say, well, that's 2020, you know, F2020, that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, sure, it's been a crappy year, absolutely. But you always have to try and find some positive in it. And um, I, I, I hope you guys do. So um, it's the, you know, the, the outlook, you know, isn't isn't as bleak as, uh, as as everyone, you know, usually tries to make it out to be. You always got to try and find a silver lining. You always got to try and look ahead, uh, forge ahead, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, with, with that theme, um, yesterday was actually my last day or my last race uh, for the team that I've been working for, Derhog Motorsports. Um, it was, it, it's, it's been coming. I've been trying to figure out a good way to, to exit racing and move on to something else in my life for a while now. It's kind of one of those shit or get off the pot kind of things. So this was a, an, you know, um, a, a decision that needed to be made. I really can't, you know, get into, into the details. I wasn't fired or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. Um, it was just time. It was, a, it was just a good time to go. And, uh, so we ended, uh, the, this last se- this, this season on a, on, on a good note. And to me, that means having a reliable car. Uh, I have been with this team for about eight, almost 20 years, 18, 20 years. And I've been crew chief for uh, this one particular car for over 10 years. And I'm very proud of the car's reliability. I posted something about this uh, earlier today, I think it was. And, uh, you know, with with the... With, with the, I'm very proud of the fact that we, you know, we 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 have a very regimented, um, you know, maintenance and 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 reliability and car maintenance, uh, you know, regime. Sorry, not regime, regimen. I can't believe I said that. I always kind of laugh at people who say regime instead of regimen, but we have regimen. And uh, I'm very proud of the fact that in over 10 years, with the exception of crash damage, which is out of our control, can't drive the car. And engine failures, which happen, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, it happens, but we don't build the engines. We just basically stick them in and put a carburetor on it, put the accessories on it. But the actual couple ammos are completely out of our control. If you take those out of the uh, um, uh, equation, uh, we had one mechanical DNF, did not finish, in over 10 years. It's over 10 years. And I don't know that that kind of reliability uh, exists in any other form of racing for any other team that I've ever heard of. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to toot my horn because it's a team effort. I've worked with a lot of really great guys um, over, you know, uh, crew members and, and, and team members and things like that over the years. And I really appreciate working with them. They're all friends. Um, I'm going to miss uh, a lot of friends at the track because we're kind of a family at the track. Uh, kind of an, It's a weird extended you know, traveling circus family, you'd have to be in it to really understand it. So, but, 
uh, we ended on a good note. We had a, a back-to-back uh, a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday because we're trying to make up uh, uh, tra- the Trans Am series is trying to make up dates for all the dates that we missed uh, earlier in the season. And uh, yeah, so we I, I was I was basically just biting my fingernails, crossing my fingers, making sure that that car crossed the finish line for that second race so that when I'm done as, as, as a tenure, as the, you know, the, the chief person responsible for the, for the maintenance and, and, um, the reliability of that car that it actually did cross the finish line. And it did. And I was really, really happy to end that on a good note. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, uh, going forward. I've got, I've got some options. I've, I'm exploring different stuff. Um, you know, I'm 46 years old and I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up. And uh, I do have options to do just kind of fly-in work for other teams, just from all the relationships I've built for, you know, over 20 years in, in this industry. So anyway, um, that's just w- way too much about me. I know that's kind of boring to you guys. But um, yeah, so uh, today, today, well, I, I think Wednesday is officially my last day there to kind of wrap up everything and, and um, you know, kind of move on. So that'll be good going into the holidays. Um and like I said, time to explore some some new options. So, anywho, um, I did also on November fourteenth. I did shoot a deer. I am going to do a podcast on that hunt. Um, it was nothing too exciting. I shot it with a rifle, and uh, I'm very proud of that. But for all the you know lack of time and everything that I was able to not get out this year, I have. Uh, I have no bad feelings or no qualms about going out and shooting a, a, a deer with a rifle and getting um, and, and getting some meat in the freezer. So I will get in. I'll do like a, a longer podcast on that and just kind of detail detail some of that stuff and um, uh, you know my thoughts on it. So anyway, but this podcast is uh, with a guest by the name of uh, Dusty Roberts. Now Dusty is a new traditional bow hunter and. New meaning he picked up the bow, I believe he said last January or February of this year. And uh, he's, you know, he's an accomplished compound hunter. He shot a lot of animals and he decided to pick up the stick bow uh, earlier this year. He started off shooting you know, a Bob Lee uh, and, uh, and a Black Widow. He settled on the Bob Lee. He's been shooting some other stuff lately too. I've been watching on Instagram, but I mean, his kind of go-to bow is a Bob Lee hardcore, I believe. And, um, yeah, he has been incredibly successful. Um, just, just amazing. I think, God, I, I lost count. I think he's got like four or five deer down. Uh, we talk about it in, in this episode, but uh, I think he's got about four or five deer down right now. And uh, just, just incredible success. Very, very dedicated. Uh, very cool guy. And uh, I really had, uh, you know, a, a, a great conversation talking to him. Really enjoy talking to him. So, um, you know, for anybody listening that's kind of looking to make the transition, from compound to traditional, um, you know, whether you, if, if you think you can or can't or kind of on the fence, you know, well, you know, here's a guy, here's a guy that did, he gets out a lot. Uh, I wish I was able to get a lot more than, than, than I have. I've only really only been out a few days, um, as far as, um, uh, bow hunting goes, but that's just the way it goes for this year, unfortunately. And, 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 you know, whatever, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm working toward a future where I'm not so beholden to my job and I'm, I can actually get out more without feeling guilty about leaving my family, uh, for, for hunting time. So we're trying to balance all that. But anyway, um, you know, without further ado, here is my uh, interview with Dusty Roberts. Here we go. Dusty Roberts. Morning, Saul. Glad to have you. Yes, sir. It's an honor to be your guest, man. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah. Um, so you and I talked earlier this uh, today, and um, man, you're you're like you're suffering from this from the storms and stuff like that over there, right? I mean, you're you're displaced for temporarily. Yeah, I got in from out of town from hunting, and uh, my wife said I think they're calling for some bad weather. And you know me, I I was as concerned about deer hunting still, and didn't pay attention to the forecast. Well, Thursday it rolled through the Carolinas here, and it was a lot worse than they thought. We had um, long-term sustained winds, 50, 60 mile an hour, and we're just not not used to those. And it, it we had severe power outages. We've been without electricity since thursday morning around 8 30 and uh i haven't got to talk to you since but our power just come on about 45 minutes ago so we're grateful for that but we still oh, have good. a lot of yeah a lot of folks without power a lot of trees down but we just thank the lord it wasn't no worse than what it was we don't have no damage to any of our uh property you know so that's that's the biggest blessing yeah and, and so you're you're in north carolina right you're like in hickory Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm right below yeah. Hickory, so I'm kind of in the, um, you know, Dalton Lewis and the Stick Boys. Those guys mm-hmm. are up. He's up towards Jefferson, and so he's about an hour and a half from me. So I'm kind of south, a uh, little southeast, I guess you would say, right below Hickory in a little town called Newton, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's kind of well, not not funny, but I mean, it, I think I think this year of all year, people are starting to realize that. You know, being a little bit prepared um, for things isn't such a crazy kooky idea. You know what I mean? It used to be like he used to be like the prepper guy or whatever. And it's like, oh, why do you need this? Why do you need that? And it's like, man, you don't really need, you know, you know, plagues and covid and, uh, you know, alien invasions to be like, you know, there are some natural disasters that happen that like you might want to be prepared for a few days, you know, either bug out or bug in kind of thing, you know, and I think I think people are clued into that this 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 year, unfortunately, you know. Absolutely, brother, I believe you're right. And, you know, you don't realize you don't realize the things you need to survive with until you don't have them. You know, we take so many things for granted a lot of times, like electricity and clean water and heat. Mm-hmm. So, so we've had a massive cold front come ushering through, and it's supposed to be in the 30s in the morning, possibly get our first frost, depending on how hard the wind's blowing. So, you know, it's really, uh, you're right. It's been, uh, I tell you, 2020 has been just a crazy, crazy <laughs> year for sure, man. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... You know, I mean, it's got to look up, right? It's got to get brighter, don't you think? I mean, oh, you got, you, it's going to get brighter. Out. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's getting brighter for me, praise the Lord. I'm going to heaven, and so uh, I'm not going to be here much longer, I don't think. So that's the that's the bright future is knowing Jesus and knowing that man, it can't. It, it might get worse here for a while, but there's a there's a brighter future. There's a bigger there's a bigger plan in the Lord's eyes. So we just got to ride the storm and trust Him, and yeah. that's all we can do, man. Just keep on going. Yeah, I, I know. I know you're like a really big uh, religious guy, you know. So I mean, that's uh, that, that that's kind of an interesting take too, for the way people have been dealing with just any of the stuff. You know what I mean? Just going on this year. You know, it's it's really, I don't know. It's got it's kind of opened up different perspectives uh, on how people, you know, view life. You know, in general, and and you know, the, the good, the bad, all, all that kind of stuff. You know, so. Yeah, it's. I, I guess if you look at like silver linings of, from from all this, um, I guess that's got to be one of them. You know, you just get a bigger insight into more people's lives and how they think and how they react in in, in certain 
well, in this case, a pandemic. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're not here to talk about plagues and (laughs) pandemics and stuff. Yeah, we've had enough of that. We're here to and deer, man. Yeah, that's right. We've had enough of that. Tear. Um, we, 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 again, like I said, we talked earlier and I, I, I was saying, you know, we, you know, I'm living vicariously through pretty much everyone on, on Instagram this year and Facebook because, you know, just, you know, pe- people are tired of me seeing the sob story over and over again. I, I told you, you know, earlier, so as far as being able to get out and schedules and that kind of stuff, but, um, you know, you, um, you're just getting it done, man. And you're like a relatively new traditional bow hunter, correct? Absolutely, man. And I tell you, Amra, I really respect you for putting your priorities, your wife, her, her job, your job, your daughter. I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm really proud of you, man. I, I really oh, respect you for uh, having your priorities in order, because sometimes we can lose focus of those things, chasing these animals. And yeah. Lord willing, these animals will always be there to chase as long as we, you know, we're, we're wise and how we uh, conserve everything. But, yeah, I actually um so I've been I've been hunting whitetail deer um, since I was 10 years old. I'm 33, and I, I've been bow hunting for majority of that time. I started bow hunting in 2001, and um, and so what happened was I've used a compound bow, and I've uh, been blessed to be a part of a few different great organizations, uh, great manufacturers over the years, and and shop shooter programs and so forth, and. And um, anyways, long story short, I was in a bad accident in 2015, and so it messed up my it messed up my neck, and um, and I kept shooting a compound into last year, and the rollover of the compound bow uh, was actually jarring my neck in the weakest part of my shoulder. It's it's just it's crazy hmm. how that works. So, really? um, anyways, doctors recommended maybe try traditional archery. So I laid down the compound last year and had to go to a crossbow um, just to be able to get through the season, and so. I'm not an anti-crossbow guy. I believe there is a place for crossbows, and I believe that um, I believe that in situations like mine where I had no other choice to get in the woods but use a crossbow, mm-hmm. it was that. But I definitely, it's not my cup of tea because I, I was able to mend. And so a man by the name of Bill Ward, um, Bill Ward's own Focus Archery Ministry and a few other, I seen this guy just shooting a recurve, and I was like, man, this guy can flat out shoot. I said, I want to try that. I, you know, I was able to shoot a compound. The Lord really blessed me. I could shoot a compound really good. And so I went on February the 26th. I remember the day like it was yesterday of this year. Never had shot a recurve in my life. Didn't know what I was doing. Called around the bow shops. And to my surprise, none of them had traditional equipment in stock. But I found a shop about an hour and a half away. Um, great people. Cooper's trading up in the mountains of North Carolina. And Burnsville. And so I went up there and they had a PSC Shaman or Shaman, however you say it. And it was 40 pounds, 62 inch takedown bow for relatively cheap. Got some Black Eagle Vintage 500 spine arrows and um, just got a, a shooting glove, a OMP shooting glove, which is what I still shoot now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I come home and man, th- I shot three arrows like real close, afraid I was going to miss. I stacked them in there, backed up to 10 yards, stacked them in there. And I was like, wow, man, this is awesome. And so, um, long story short, I don't want to take up too much time on all this, but no, no, so we talk about I, whatever. Okay, well, I got, I got on, um, got on the, got on, started researching forums and stuff, and got excited. And long story short, I found on eBay a brand new Bob Lee, but it was I didn't know nothing about AMO lens, but it was 
44 pounds, and it was a 58-inch um, Elite Signature, and it was brand new and got a killer deal on it. Well, I got it, and I learned what finger paint she is. I automatically had started shooting three under, and I right. realized that it was too um, too short for my liking, But so I sold that bow, and I ordered a – I called Bob Lee. Um, archery and talked to JJ there and um, and ordered me a hardcore. And in the meantime, I, I got on the forum and, and met some other great guys. And that's one thing I've realized. And I'm not saying those guys are not out there in the compound world because I know they are. But um, in the traditional world, I find a lot more uh, people that are more apt to take their time to help you. And so I met a guy in Texas. Um, man, he, he's another guy that Sometime if you if you get time maybe to have on, he would be a great guy to talk to. He's a killer man. His name is Clay Epperson. And Clay lives down in uh, Texas there and works for the oil rig. But, man, he was a wealth of knowledge. Now, we shoot different. He's a three-under shooter. He's a tab shooter. and um, But he's an instinctive shooter. But he also he shoots off a rest and does things a little different. He's tried some new things. But I'm clearly – so I'm shooting a Bob Lee. Hardcore stable lock, 62 inches, 45 pounds at um, 28 inches. My draw comes in around 29 inches, and um, I'm shooting off the shelf, and I'm purely instinctive. I don't use no aiming. I don't even see my arrow, my point. So I just, and I'm a snap shooter. So um, all these guys, I had another guy, John Daly, who's been a great help, who come to my house, drove like an hour and a half out of the way, come to my house and help me. And, and I had a lot of guys sharing stuff, but at the end of the day, if I could help anybody, is you got to find what works for you. One arrow spine don't work for everybody. Everybody has different pressure and tension on their face, their string, their 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 way of shooting. And right. so what I've found is my middle finger in the corner of my mouth, I bring that. I have a slight cant. I bring that string back. And soon as I've done hit anchor, I let go. And, and I can hold, but I find that I break down on my shot process when I hold through. But um, so I found that I'm just a, I'm a very fast, rapid snap shooter, almost possibly like Fred Bear, except I'm a three <laughs> under guy. And so I don't even know what, I'm so new with this stuff. I don't know what point on, I hear point on, string walking, gap shooting. I don't even know what none of that is. So I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I rip it, I grip it, rip it and let her fly. And uh, most of the time it goes where I want it. And I, I've messed around with arrows. And uh, so I'm currently shooting day six, 350 spine. A lot of guys say, so I'm probably shooting about 47 and a half pounds at 29 inches, 29 and a quarter. And I'm shooting a 32 inch total overall arrow. It's a 350 spine day six with a um, 50 grain centric system. And I just absolutely love it with a 200 grain day six Evo XL. I'm shooting a one stringer, seven grain, seven inch wrap. And I'm shooting true flight, four inch, four fletch feathers with an AAE IP4 uh, knock, which is what comes with the day six arrows. And I think their components are just amazing. And I'm not paid. I pay full price for all my products. I'm not, I'm not endorsed or paid or sponsored by any of them, but that's just what I found. I, I've shot some black widows. I've shot some other bows and they're all great bows. I just find that the Bob Lee's is what works for me. And it's what I like. And, uh, Rob Lee and, and Jonathan Jackson and that family has been phenomenal to me and helped me. I mean, helped me figure out what I need and what I like. And so I'm kind of settled there. And so um, I practiced all summer long. I, I went through a time. I went through a month 
right in August, and season here opened, I believe, the 14th of September, 15th, that Saturday, whatever it fell on. And right before that in August, man, I went through a time where I just could not shoot. I just, I had a down time where it was just, no matter what I could do, I just couldn't even shoot at 10 yards, 15 yards. And, um, man, I, I just don't know. It just, it was just, it was just part of the struggle stick, what they, you know, they call it mm-hmm. the struggle. And then I just went through that spell and I was really discouraged. Well, about two days before opener, um, I got a bad eye infection. And I had worked it out with my work where I was going to be off opening day on that Saturday because I, I work for Estes Express Lines. I drive a truck and I also pastor a church. So I stay, brother, I stay wide open. So my time is limited. <laughs> right. And uh, me and my wife, we, we've been unable to have any children. But anyways, um, before I get on that rant, so I went, I went to the doctor, got a bad eye infection. So now I'm having to wear glasses. They put me out of work. Opening day's coming up. I didn't think, well, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get to hunt because I got this bad eye infection and, and I'm out of work now and I was more worried about healing up. Well, uh, by the grace of God, the drops and, and the medication, the antibiotics they give me, man, it really went down. But I hadn't practiced with eyeglasses at all. And I got in the stand open in the morning. I really didn't really want to go because I'm like, man, I, I can't work because I drive a big truck. They didn't want me in the truck. But I climbed up in the stand and I had a nice eight pointer come in that morning hunting a persimmon tree and um he left and i just couldn't get up just didn't feel confident but then a big doe came in and and i just man i just made a phenomenal shot at i think she's about 16 yards and uh just really put it in there and from then on it's been good it's so i shot her and then i went back saturday evening and i shot another doe out of the same area coming to the same persimmon tree and so then I guess a week or two later, I went to another place and I had a spike buck come in and man, I hunt horns. I, I like to trophy hunt. I like to manage, but here where I live at Emra, it's, it's very tough because we have such a long rifle season. We have such a liberal bag limit with two bucks and four does that Oof, killing yeah. a, yeah. So killing a good mature deer is very tough, but Man, I was really looking forward to my, you know, going to the Midwest and going hunting. So I was trying to get some confidence up and like deer meat. So I shot a spike. And I tell you what, those does and that spike, to everybody listening, it tore me up. If you would have put a 250-inch deer out there, a world record, it I don't know that it would have tore me up anymore. I mean, I was just pumped. And, and I was just – but everything was – I was – Everything was coming together. Shots were excellent. I, not a deer run over 45 yards. I mean, just made perfect shots. Everything was good. Um, but I've, I've had to learn to hunt closer. Where with a compound, you know, I would I would set up 20 to 25 yards, and, and I was confident in those shots. But now I'm trying to get these animals within 10 yards, you know, 15 yards. And so it's changed everything. Not only have now do I have a stick and string with no sights, no rest, no peep sight, no uh, draw stops. You know, everything relies on me. And, um, and now that not only do I have that, now I got to get these animals. And, and whitetail, man, are just skittish animals. No matter where you hunt them, I find in the Midwest, those deer act like deer. Here where I live at, man, they come through the woods like they're looking for helicopters and airplanes. I mean, that's what I hear. Yeah. Yes, it's it's unbelievable. When I tell people this, you kill a deer in Virginia, North Carolina, and these mountains like where them boys hunt Nathan Killen and Alan Altizer and uh, and and all those guys, man, and and Dalton and 
Um, all those guys, man, our deer, you will get busted by a doe. Killing a mature doe is harder than killing probably a six and a half year old buck in the Midwest. I mean, it's just that it's unbelievable how skittish our deer are. And, um, yep. and you just got to You got to watch your scent. You got to hunt the wind. You got to find good cover. And so that's, that's been it so far in a nutshell. So three shots, three dead deer, I leave and, and go up North and, and kill a good deer. You know, I kill some good deer up there this year. It's just been brother. It's been mind boggling. It, it, I still haven't even wrapped my mind around it, but to say all of that, I'm still just loving it. It's rejuvenated my whole hunting desire. And so I come back here and I got a deer that I'm after. He's a real tall, tight eight, super tall G2s, beautiful deer for uh, around here. And um, as far as score wise, he ain't going to, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even make 120. He might make 110, 115, if that, but He's just an awesome deer. And then Friday evening, I set up. I, I just, I, I come back. We had the storm. I knew this cold front was coming in. I set up. I went in and, and took my lone wolf um, hunt ready system. I, I climbed and hung and hunted. And man, he come in just like I thought, everything 10 yards. I did everything like I thought I'm supposed to do, but I shot plumb underneath him. I dropped my bow arm. And so, it was humbling. I needed that. And and I just smiled about it because it showed me that I'm not a machine, that I am human, that we all miss, and it does happen. But I would rather miss than wound an animal any day of the week. I mean, I would rather a clean miss. And so that's where I'm at. So I didn't get to hunt Halloween Day, which was yesterday, um, on Saturday. I didn't get to hunt then, and the deer were really moving. But with the power outages and everything, you know, you got priorities and, and church today and stuff. So we got to take care of those things, but that's, that's really in a nutshell where I'm at. So I've come from a compound to a, a recurve after I guess 19 years. And I don't, I, I'm not against the compound. I may get another compound to tinker around with. I, I've been messing with some of my buddies and told them I'm going to get a compound to rifle hunt with and uh, <laughs> just aggravating them guys. But I love it. So I'm trying to keep all my shots, uh, you know, really 17 and in is where I want to be. But, man, it has changed everything. And, and, you know, you don't have to hunt high. It's all about getting good cover and accessing your spots. People ask me all the time, how do you kill big deer? First of all, you can't kill big deer if you don't have big deer. If you don't have big deer, you're not going to be able to kill big deer. If you don't have high deer numbers, your chances of killing deer is a lot less as well. Another thing is, is a lot of guys want to hang cameras, Emra. They want to hang cameras. And if I'm going too crazy, you stop me. But No, no. if guys guys want to hang cameras and they want to go check them every two or three days, they're leaving residual scent, entering and exiting. And yeah, the time, way right? you, exactly. And every time you enter those woods, it's like this. If you and I were to come home to go home to our house tonight, say you and I were out at the steakhouse eating and we both departed, went to our homes, we had our wives with us, our family with us, and we went home and our front door was open and somebody walked through our house with with uh, black boot mud boot prints all through our house, we would know that somebody's been in our house and that we've been intruded upon and we've been invaded and our privacy has been, you know, we, we know somebody's been there and we wouldn't like it. We would have that weird gut feeling. That's how these mm-hmm. deer are, even mature does with their fawns still. And so if you start spooking the does, people are like, well, I got does in spite. You start spooking those deer and putting pressure on them, you can for sure forget about the big deer being around because, you know, it's all about, so I'm real careful. I use... 
I don't use scent. I don't. I tried some scrape stuff again this year. I don't use any of that stuff. I hunt all natural. I'm not even a big caller. I don't use grunts or rattles. I try to stay as clean as I can. I try to hunt uh, with the right wind, but that wind needs to be right entering and exiting. And um, I try not to use a light much. I try to enter and exit in the dark. And um, I just, I try to find spots. And, and I found that here in North Carolina, it is legal to bait deer. But I found deer are super skittish anywhere you dump out bait. So yeah. your best to hunt those deer in their natural habitat, whether it's leaving bedding, heading to natural food, or, you know, a transition between pines and hardwoods. And just, um, you know, and that varies across the country wherever you go. I mean, there's different feed trees in different areas. Deer do different things in different areas. But at the end of the day, deer are still deer. They rely on their nose. They can see good. Um, we, we underestimated deer's eyesight. But, man, those mature bucks, not only are they using their nose, but they're they're listening. Th- those deer, it's amazing how white-tailed deer, their ears, they can rotate their ears just completely around listening and smelling and and watching and so you know it's it's as much as you can do with your scent stuff is is the key thing so my wife uses year-round we use nellies now this is a this is good for you emma if you can talk your wife into using this it will get your clothes it's nellies laundry soap they're out of canada and um my wife is allergic to any fragrances so it is a bonus for me so all of our linens our entire house, all of my regular clothes, everything I have is washed in Nellie's laundry soap, which is like baking soda, and it gets rid of every smell and scent. <laughs> we don't use any dryer sheets, so everything I have is scent free, 365 days a year. Another issue guys mess up, Emory, is they get scent free. They put their hunting clothes on, and they get in their pickup truck. The night before, they were down at the Longhorn Steakhouse with their wife, and they had their, their favorite cologne on. And right. their seatbelt rubbed their chest with that cologne. Now you've put a foreign odor on your hunting clothes. So I'm big on changing clothes. I change my clothes uh, when I get in. When I get out, I, I put my hunting clothes on. In the early season, I may enter the woods with a pair of shorts and a t-shirt on, and um, a pair of tennis shoes. I know that sounds crazy with snakes and all. You have to be very careful. Uh, sometimes I'll you, put yeah. on my yeah, yeah. I have to put on my snake boots, but. The thing is, is I'll take those clothes off, put them in a plastic bag and seal them up and change into my hunting clothes once I get near. Because, oh, sometimes it's 80 degrees here with 70, 80 percent humidity. You know, it's hot. And so that's that's really the the scoop on, you know, if I could give anybody out there any advice on hunting deer, period, is watch your scent and stand location. You know, know your east and west, know your north and south, know where you're dominant winds are coming early season and have your setups for late season because our wind here changes we get a lot of south southwest winds early season and then it changes to a north northwest later on um, in the season and even northeast sometimes and so knowing how to move around i think i'm going to venture into saddle hunting maybe next year try have you done any of that yeah this is my second year actually doing that i did it all last year and then uh this year how do you like that i love it i love it um, I, I, I've never been comfortable in a, in a tree stand. Um, I've never felt, um, kind of secure, you know, with, with the mm-hmm. platform, even if you, you know, um, you cam lock the platform and, and whatever, every now and then you'll get a wiggle. 
um, I, I never, I, I, it, it's different shooting. I mean, you know this, it's different shooting on the ground versus shooting when your feet can't be as far apart, you know, on a platform and twisted around and things like that. And I never felt stable, right? And, and you know, I'm not like crazy scared of heights, but I mean, I'd, I'd be like a tree hugger, right? I'd be like close to that tree if I'm going to turn around and do anything. Well, um, when I went to the saddle, you are under tension the entire time. So there mm. is no feeling that the bottom's you're not getting that roller coaster over the, over the top of the hill kind of feeling, you know, where your gut kind of raises up a little bit, you know. Um, you don't get any of that stuff. It's completely, you're under tension the whole time, and you can concentrate on doing what you need to do. So I love it. Absolutely love it. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm looking to be more mobile um, just for the fact of just trying to get closer. But, you know, this is the thing. Another thing guys ask that I want to touch on, if you don't care, is they ask about moon phases and uh, barometric pressure. I prefer um, I prefer the proper moon phase. I prefer a real dark night or a, a good moon position, the moon straight up. Um, and I prefer blue bird skies, what I call just what we call Carolina blue skies here. Good cold mornings. I like a I like a good steady breeze blowing. I don't like a real calm or a still. Uh, morning or evening I and I am an evening hunter <clears throat> I am a evening hunter I prefer I would rather take evenings from three o'clock say two o'clock to dark instead of from um, before you know before sunrise to two o'clock and that's just me I've just killed better deer in those mid-afternoon um, hunts in the is, is it because of better hunt. winds do you think is that why you like it better more, well, the more, thermals, more predictable winds you know what it's going to do uh, the midday kind of swirling is probably stopped and kind of steadied into, you know, one kind of direction, you know, mostly. I mean, that's what I find. I think you're on to something there. And I think this, when that sun, once that sun's hit its peak and it's starting to, it's starting to descend into the west, I think it's starting to suck everything with it. Now, I think thermals can become an issue when you start hunting in mountains, which I don't do a whole lot of. I think it can become uh, more of an issue, but in the foothills, more flat terrain farm country, I hunt. If I find a good steady breeze, which is is keeping my scent pretty much in a in a certain area, um, I definitely believe the mornings are better for your thermals. But you know, if you got a good steady breeze and you're you're being clean and you kind of know where your deer are coming from, and you know, I think I don't know. I just think that I like. I like the evenings just because I've been more successful, just to be honest. I mean, everybody's got their likes and dislikes, but yeah. The only what, thing what are you using for a wind time. checker? Are you, are you, uh, are you a powder like puff guy? Are you, are you a milkweed guy? What do you use? Man, I'm going to tell you what I am. And this is so, this is uh, so funny. And about everywhere I hunt, I have a string hanging. Um, but I know where my stands are. And I pretty much know my locations, but I don't use no hunting apps. I don't even have any hunting apps. And that's, uh, that's, I, I t I'm telling a lie. I do. I got one called hunt stand, but I don't even know how to operate the thing. So I'm kind of old school, even though I'm young. So what I do is if I get out to hunt, um, before I get into where I'm, I'll pick up some leaves, man. I'll just pick up some leaves and I can, just from being in the woods for so many years, and I have so much to learn. I'm, I still am just a rookie, but I pay attention to the leaves and just can watch and, and just kind of, I know what it, I wear contacts, and this sounds crazy, 
but I can tell which way that wind's blowing by the way I turn my head, by the way that air hits my contacts in my eyeball. Oh, and it, it'll yeah. it'll dry them out real quick, you know, especially mm-hmm. when you get these cold fronts coming through. But no, I'm not a milkweed guy. I see a lot of guys using that. It seems interesting. But I kind of just um, because I don't care what the weather says. I've, I've found this to be true so many times. The weatherman can say you got a northeast wind at seven mile an hour and you get there. And man, it'd be a southeast wind where you're hunting at. You know, oh yeah, it, it, you know what I'm saying. You can't go by. I, so I don't even. Yeah, I don't even pay attention to any any weather apps or anything like that. Um, uh, but the, the, the milkweed thing for me is was really really eye opening. I don't know if you watched any of like you know Dan and I mean everyone's doing it now, but if you watched any of Dan and false stuff or anything like that, um, it it just you know, there's a lot of milkweed that grows around me. I mean, I can find fields of it, right? Uh, just, just mm-hmm. going out. So, um, you know, I don't know if it, if it grows, if, if it grows by you or not, if not, I can send you some, this stuff is, just, I mean, it, it's awesome because the, you, you can do like the, like the crumpled up leaves and the feather or whatever, um, or the powder and it's, it's localized, right? You can kind of, but it dissipates within like 10, 15 yards. Um, what the milkweed does is it gives you a long range view of what the thermals, what like the river of air kind of thing is actually doing. So you can actually see it, you know, maybe, um, it, let's just say it, it seems good for now, let's say, what what would be a good wind um, for, let's say, if, if you check it with powder. But then if you do the same thing with milkweed, you'll see, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden it takes like a hard left or all of a sudden like the thermal carries it up or sucks it down or, or whatever. And it goes right to a spot where you don't want it to spot. And you can you can watch this thing for, you know, 50, 100 yards, depending how big a puff you do. That's that's really the biggest benefit of that is it's not just localized. You can actually see what it's really doing for as far as you can pretty much see this thing. And it just, you know, opens up like a macro view of overall kind of wind currents. You know what I mean? Wow, just, man. It, that's, yeah, that's very it's, interesting. It's, I'm it's interested really, in that. really yeah. interesting. And it's especially with, um, you don't really have to even be in, in, in hill country because anywhere near, if you're like near kind of like bodies of water or swamps or marshes, or, um, if it's kind of like a river, river bluff or something like that, um, you know, you can have the prevailing winds come in one way. That's fine. But I actually did it. Um, I did like a little short video on it like a couple of years ago. I was sitting there, um, and it was on a hunt and I'm, I'm sitting on this, um, this uh, th- this downward kind of slope of a ridge and earlier on like mid-afternoon i could you know i did the thing and i did the milkweed and it, it was rising up the hill right because the, the thermals were carrying up up the slope and i said watch this i said in a couple hours when it gets near sunset i'll do it again well a couple hours later same deal i pulled out the milkweed and instead of going up this thing sucks right you know straight down and had nothing to do with the, with with the way the wind direction was actually coming. It was just up or down the slope. You know what I mean? So it really indicated to me like, oh, you know, that's no joke. This, uh, you know, the, the the thermals, you know, rising, cooling air, that kind of stuff. So it oh, was, yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. I mean, and and you can, like I said, I mean, you can you can carry like a pod of this stuff in the last y'all season. You know, so. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that. That's, I'm not even like I say. I'm just, I guess, you know, you kind of. I'm always willing to learn something new. That's the thing about hunting, you know, in the industry. We're living in days where we have these podcasts and we have so much technology. And there's there's so many places that if if we just take the time, it takes time. But, you know, putting in the time and learning these things, because I remember the days 
uh, man, when I started hunting, there I didn't know nothing about no scent. You know, we just threw clothes on and went to the woods. But really, it taught me at a young age woodsmanship, like getting around the woods, learning feed trees, learning trails. And, you know, I'll tell you somebody who's really taught me a lot of stuff is um, listening to I've never met Alan Altizer, never talked to him, just listening to him on some podcast. And mm-hmm. and I talk to Nathan Killen every day or every other day or so. But just and it's different terrain, but but learning trails and learning uh, just learning how these deer, you know, learning how deer travel in their natural uh, their natural habitat and the way they live and, and learning how to set up on them deer, man, and, and try to, like you say, using this milkweed, using these things that's that's cheap. You don't have to go to, it ain't nothing you go buy at a big box store. Nothing against buying those things they sell. Now, I'm not a, I'm not knocking any of that. I mean, yeah. I want to see, at the end of the day, I want to see people hunting legal, hunting ethical, and uh, being a good sportsman. And, and, you know, you see trash, pick up trash. And, and just take care of the land and be respectful of other hunters because at the end of the day, man, it's we got too many anti-hunters and too many mm-hmm. people that are against the sport we love. And we need to be doing what – if the guy's shooting a crossbow, it may not be my cup of tea, but I'm not going to knock him. And if a guy's killing spikes – I killed a spike this year, first small buck I've killed in a, a good while. But if a guy kills a spike with a recurve, man, anybody that kills a – a deer with any harvest with a traditional bow, my hat's off to them because right. I know how the struggle is. And um, and if a guy's using that meat and eating that meat, as long as he's hunting legal and he's doing what's right and he's being safe, him or her, whoever it may be, I'm I'm a, I'm a supporter of it, you know. And that's we don't need to argue because somebody's shooting a trad bow or a compound bow or because we need to band together as archers. Now I think we can go to the point now here. I'm, I'm getting ready to chase a rabbit. I think we they're trying to legalize these air guns, and I, I yeah. think that's getting too far, brother. That's going, that's becoming more. Um, and, and I would like to see them for these guys that are using some of these crossbows, man. Some of these crossbows, I I, had, I shot one, I hunted with one, I killed two bucks with it, uh, no four bucks with it, and a doe. I killed five deer with a crossbow, and I'm gonna be honest with you. Once you get them things dialed in, man, there's nothing to it. 40 yards, 50 yards, they're dead. I mean, you just put the crosshairs on there. And to me, I think they need to have their own season for them. But, again, there's those people with disabilities that I think ought to be able to use them during the regular, you know, regular archery season. But we got a lot of guys in the culture we're living in that won't, they want gratification at their fingertips. They don't want to work mm-hmm. for nothing. Does, does that make sense? They hundred percent. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm of a, of anti-crossbow in, in the, um, archery season, the camp, um, b- because to me, it's not, it's not what, what's not what it was supposed to be. I mean, we have these seasons because they're so long, because they're so liberal limits, because, um, b- because success rates were so low right now you start changing success rates into like, you know, really, really high. And it's like, well, what's the difference between that and a rifle? And, you know, I, I get it for the people that genuinely have a medical condition, the genuine, but I mean, that's, but that's like such a small, small, small percentage, percentage overall. I think most people doing it are doing it because uh, this is my opinion. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it's, it's, like you said, it's easy way out. It's lazy. It's, uh, it takes less work. It's more, you know, they're in it just, just to kill and not for the experience of, of, of learning everything else. And it's not archery. You're not pulling it back with your own strength. 
You don't have a chance to get busted during the draw cycle. These are all parts of why archery seasons were were enacted because it's because the deer are supposed to win. You know, absolutely. <laughs> if, it was, if it was the other way around, you know, why not just have just one general season? Use whatever you want, make it a week long, and that you only get to hunt for a week all year long, right? I mean, who the hell wants that? You know, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 vehemently against the, the crossbow and archery, and especially arrows. I mean, wh- yes. I, we've gotten to this point where we're we're calling a projectile that is not a bullet a bow. You know, or, or fires or fires a projectile that is not a bullet. Everything else they call it a bow. But what about this is a bow? You know, just because right. you know, uh, you know, air guns, I agree arrows, with all you. that stuff. I'm with you. Not a bow. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with so. you. And see, that's the thing. And you take. And I'm excited to see, not just because I'm not speaking just because of me. I can, I'll tell anybody out there that listens, and I hope plenty of people do, if you can shoot a compound bow, you put the time in, you can shoot a traditional bow. It's got to be how much you want it. So I sold my compounds. I sold my presses. I sold everything, and I used that money to buy my recurve. And, um, and, you know, I didn't know what Great Northern or Selway. I use Great Northern quivers, and, mm-hmm. and I love them. It's just, it, you know, there's so much good equipment out there. You're not yeah. going to go. There's so many great boyers. There's so many great arrows. There's so many great broadheads. There's so many great. There's so, I mean, we got the best camouflage as far as comfort. But that's another thing I was going to say. I have Sika gear, and I have cheap, um, cheap camouflage. And I'm going to tell you this, I can kill deer. If I'm on the deer, I can kill deer. I can kill them and I can kill them in a suit and tie. You know what I'm saying? You can, it's not. And so guys are buying into advertisement a lot of times and these companies are great. I mean, I think Sika makes some of the best, most durable. They're the only hunting stuff that I've got that I've not ripped and tore all the pieces. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great gear, but guys need to know that are trying to get into this, that are, I'm on a budget. I work as well as, you know, paying full price. Folks need to know that there's arrow options out there. Like, I mean, you can get some Black Eagle Vintage shafts, which are, um, I don't think they're as durable as a Day 6, but they're great. Gold tip makes a great arrow. There's yep. broadheads out there, man. That Black are, Eagle Outlaws. They're, yeah, they're absolutely. Yep. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You, And I've seen one of your YouTube videos <laughs> about, you know, with a compound, a $500 uh, budget. Man, you can get into bow hunting. Anybody who's thinking about it, they can get into bow hunting. You don't have to have the latest, greatest, fanciest stuff. You can get, I mean, a brother, a Samick Sage will kill grizzly bears with the right mm-hmm. arrow set up and the right archer. And I recommend guys to start out. So I started out at 40 pounds, and I actually had a 50-pound Bob Lee, and um, it was just, it, I liked it. It was great. I shot heavier weight because I'm a snap shooter better, but I couldn't get as many reps in and it, it would, it started flaring me up and I didn't want to go down that road. So, uh, you know, everybody's into this thinking they got to shoot all this heavy weight. Now I shoot a 605 grain arrow at 165 feet per second and man, it's blown through everything I've shot. I mean, I snapped one arrow, but that was my fault. I shot into the outside shoulder. um yeah, I mean, I'm only shooting like 40, 42 pounds or whatever. Look at uh, Dalton, you know, I mean, That's he just right. laid down. Absolutely. I mean, he shoots a lot of deer, right? And he's he like, just what, dropped what, that 135 inch deer in Ohio and 40, 50 yards. Yeah. Like, he's what, an inspiration. 
Yeah, he's a good hunter, man. They're they're, they're those. Guys, I mean, there's so many. Speaking speaking of the Alan Altizer stuff, I, I'm looking at my my feed here, you know, and he's on the next uh, woodsmanship one here for uh, for the Stick Boys. So I always enjoy those ones, you know. I, yes. I was gonna ask you for you. You said you got the bobbly originally. Why didn't you just get longer limbs for the? Did you want a bigger riser? Because you said you man, got. Man, I didn't soul. know. Okay, so I didn't know nothing about none of this stuff. I was uh, so okay. I didn't know nothing, man. So I prefer a 19-inch riser. I've shot the 17s and the 15s. I prefer a 19-inch riser, and I like the Micarta. I like heavier because I'm coming from a compound, and so I found that I shoot a heavier bow. So I've had some long bows too. And I like longbows, but I just every longbow I've shot, there's just that little bit of hand shock that just. <laughs> so I'm more of a recurve guy, um, but man, I can shoot a longbow the same way. I, that's what I was gonna say. So I can shoot. So I got my PSE at the house. I got it out the other day um, before I left to go out of town hunting and just slung some arrows. And I was like, holy smokes, I shoot this thing so good that bow I started with. So what I've learned, it's kind of like riding a bicycle. Once you've rode the bicycle and got the bicycle mastered where you can balance it, bows is just all personal preference. You can shoot mm-hmm. any of them. You know what I mean? If you're if you're meeting your anchor and you're not plucking the string, you're pulling and pushing through the shot and you're focused and you're, you know, you're concentrating. So I'm so focused on I do better. This sounds crazy. I do better on a live animal, which is the opposite of probably a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I do better on a live animal in front of me than I do um than I do on a target. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but that's how yeah. my mind works. A, a lot a lot of people will hear so will hear you say that and they'll say, oh that's garbage. That's that's a lot of BS. Okay. It, it all the only thing that proves the only thing you can actually prove is um something quantifiable, which is what you know what your score is on a target phase. Now I'm not an I'm not a um, competitive archer, nor am I a very good um, successful uh, traditional archer at this point, right? But I mean, I shoot a lot, and so this is coming from a guy who doesn't have the experience that either one of these two camps has. But I find that if I'm shooting, like if if you put one of those like blue NFAA whatever face you know targets or whatever, my mind is completely different on how long I take to shoot, if I aim, not aim. Uh, whatever versus if I'm walking through a through a 3D course or if I'm just picking a spot or I'm stump shooting especially, it comes so much easier. Now, will I be as pinpoint accurate or or you know put up like a, a score if I you know the, the same way? Probably not. But I think there's something to that. You know. Um, I would agree because this yeah. is the deal. So even shooting a compound. Emory, this is how I shot my compound bow. I shot single pin XL AV41 sights, the X series sights before they went to the AV housing. But anyways, I shot a compound almost like I shoot a recurve. Now, the guys are going to say, what are you talking about? Well, I had a peep sight. I met my anchor. But what I did is I looked through my peep sight, and I focused where I wanted my arrow to hit more than I did my pin. Hmm. And um, I shot one pin on all my yardages and never moved my pin. So I had my compound dialed in, so I would shoot 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and I would find where I could put that sight because I'm a 30-inch draw on a compound. So shooting 60-pound compound, I was shooting a, um, a Traverse, the last compound I had a Matthews Traverse. But anyways, I found that I can find my spot. It's normally around 27 yards where I'm two inches low and two inches high. Two inches low and two inches high on a whitetail deer is money. No matter There's where I put right. it, as long as yeah. I'm in the vitals. And so I never move my pen, and I just know where my 
I know where my um, – what I'm saying, 27 yards. So I might can go to 40 yards and be two inches low, and I might can go to 15 yards and be two inches high, give or take. I mean, it can be all right. rough, but I never move my single pin sight. Well, so now shooting traditional, I have no sight. I have no rest. I have nothing to go by. I don't even see my string. And I tell guys this, and they're like, what in the world? Man, I am so focused on where I'm – where I'm, and what happens is, is my eyes – my body alignment aligns to where my eyes are looking. And so when I see a deer coming and I'm saying, all right, I'm going to shoot this deer. I am so focused, man, behind that shoulder that when I draw, when I naturally draw, if I bend at the waist, you know, 20 foot up, I bend at the waist from tree stand hunting and I bend at the waist and do my part, man, I'm in the money. I mean, every shot so far I have now, I know what I did the other day when I missed, I dropped my bow arm. I mean, I know mm-hmm. what I did because that night I had three coons come in. One got to the same place I missed that deer to check out my lighted knock where I just missed that deer earlier on. And I threaded him. And a coon's a whole lot smaller than a deer. And the deal right. is, is that I didn't drop my bow arm that time. I knew what I did. I, I realized soon <clears> as the <throat> shot went off, and you can relate to this, you know it's a bad shot soon as you dump the string with a, with a traditional bow. You yeah. know. As yeah. soon as it leaves, you know that it wasn't right. And when it's right, you know when it's right. And so I think the thing is, is there's so much stuff out here and so much so much wording for things that make it too complicated where a guy needs to get him a bow and get out in his yard and shoot and have fun and, and, and quit worrying about scores. Now, there's nothing wrong with 3D shooting. I went to my first 3D shoot with a traditional bow this year, and my first 3D 20 target, I shot 176, which ain't good, but I guess is good for a new – trad guy so Mm -hmm. the thing is is i'm not the best target shooter i mean i can stack arrows at times but there's times where at 20 yards man i do good to hit a softball you know and but at the end of the day i'm not killing reinhardt 18 and ones i'm trying to harvest whitetail deer i'm not trying to harvest foam targets or paper face targets i'm trying to harvest deer and so i think i can progress and get better i'm going to try a clicker in the off season um, and just try to get more consistent on my draw and, and, and try some different things, but I'm willing to try anything, but I've, I've learned when I go to tinkering, a lot of times it gets worse instead of better. And so I'm wondering how the clicker is going to, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And you go ahead. I'm, I'm interested Uh, to see how it's going to work too. Yeah. Because, because you say you're a snap shooter and I, and I think, um, snap shooting, I'm not a snap shooter, but I think snap shooting done right is just just fine right i mean i think snap shooting especially now where we've got a lot of like more controlled process kind of shooting you know that's been popular and draw and hold and all that stuff and there's really no right and wrong way to do any of this stuff really but um i think snap shooting has kind of kind of been looked down upon recently you know and i can understand if it's like if if you know not you but if someone is like you're one of these guys that kind of draws back and then you know you're inches from your face and you fling your fingers out and you're not even at full draw that's that's terrible but if you're constantly repeating every 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 draw every time like you said you're coming you said you use the middle your middle finger corner of the mouth that kind of thing and you're at the same spot every time i think that's just as much of a model of consistency as you know draw hold and and expand you know that's you know my, my Emory, you're you're right yeah. on the money if if yeah. people seen me shoot a everybody talks about form 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 you get on these forums and you got a lot of keyboard cowboys that ain't never killed nothing but they know it all and the thing is 
is I have the worst compound form shooting a compound bow, but by God's grace, it's nothing I do. I can, I mean, I Robin Hooded three sets of arrows at 100 yards last year with the Matthews Traverse before season. My form is terrible, but it's consistent. It's the same thing every time, like you said. And if guys seen me shooting a recurve that are good, um, you know, Trevor Fielder has helped me on some things as well. And um, he builds strings, right? He's a string builder too. And some of the best. I, I hate to, I'm not bashing nobody else out there, but. His strings, that's all I probably all I'll ever shoot. As long as he's building strings, TTT strings, yep. they are phenomenal. And, brother, they're at your house within a week. You order them, they're at your house. I mean, and it, it's just, yes, his strings, that's what I'm shooting. They're they're super quiet. They're super fast. They're um, just good quality. But he is, um, man, he is a heck of a shot. Trevor, as far as a tournament shooter, now, buddy, he blisters it. I mean, I think he was on Team USA or some of I don't keep up with all that stuff, but he was he is a um he's a heck of a shot. But you know, he's he's threw some pointers out to help me on things, but you know, um Trevor's a hunter too, but and he's a heck of a shot. I wouldn't want to be a deer in the woods with him, I can say that. But yeah, you know, the thing is is I'm not where Trevor is, and maybe one day I will be. He's just incredibly good. And so my i'm a deer hunter i'm not a target hunter i, I hunt deer and um, i'm gonna i'm gonna be hunting some beavers and um and some other small game when our season goes out january the first we have i'll be killing a bunch of coons at night so i'll take my pse um clay's got clay kills hogs a lot at night with a recurve man he is a killer that but i'm like gonna fun, get yeah. me yeah i'm gonna get me one of them predator lights man and screw <clears> it into my stabilizer screw in on my pse Mm-hmm. Give me some arrows set up with some cheaper broadheads because I'm not going to sling $30 broadheads at Coons. And, right. uh, you know, get me something like some 200-grain grizzly, single bevels, um, something like that. And uh, I don't care if they're real sharp. And just to kill Coons with, man, and, and just to hunt some Coons because we are overloaded with Coons where I live. Nobody can really? hunts anymore. Yeah. And so that'll hone my skills, you know. Shooting Coons at nighttime with a recurve, I mean, that's – Shooting these live animals, I think that's where it's at. So I've been blessed. You know, this year I've killed six deer. I've missed one, and I've killed six deer so far and, and one coon. But I'm going to have times where it's not going to work out. And you're going to get on a roll before long. When you get time, it might not work out this year, but there's going to be time, and you're going to be tearing it up. And I can't wait to rejoice in those stories, man, and see those <laughs> yeah, pictures. <me> too. <laughs> so um, rolling, rolling back just a little bit. You, I saw a video with that you did um, a while back with, when you first had uh, the Black Widow and the Bobbly, right? And you mm-hmm. went through the pros and cons of each one. Um, so you, you obviously decided on on the Bobbly. Is it is it just because of the grip? I know I know you said on, on the um, uh, on the on the Widow there was some fit and finish that you didn't like on that. But but as far as like actual shooting and feel and that kind of stuff, what what swayed you one way to, uh, versus the other? Okay, I want to say this because I think I think John and Toby, I think all them guys at Black Widow are phenomenal. And I'm not saying I'd never have a Black Widow bow. They're great. They're amazing. The thing is, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, and a Bob Lee, the craftsmanship is better. The uh, Black Widow grip, the standard Black Widow grip is my favorite recurve grip, period. I can shoot the standard Black Widow grip lights out. However, 
Um, I just don't find them to be as quiet and I don't find them to be as smooth. And you know, this is opening up a can of worms. We're going to get bashed. I'm going to get bashed big time for what I'm saying here. But you're, nobody is going to go wrong with either one of those bows or any bow, period. Um, to me, the Black Widow, just, I, I don't know. It just, I don't like that the shelf's not cut out as far either. Um, as far as my, I don't pay attention on that when I'm shooting, but as far as my arrow sitting on the shelf, the Bob Lee has a deeper shelf. And so I find that my arrow don't fall off as easy. Mm-hmm. I find that the finish on the Bob Lees are better. I feel like the Bob Lees are smoother and the Bob Lees are quieter. And I shot them through a hoot. I shot both bows through a, with a hooter shooter, yeah. electronically drawn at 29 inches. And my um, same string, same brace height, same arrow. And um, I shot the same. I shot each one 10 times, wrote down the numbers through the chronograph. And my Bob Lee was five feet per second faster. Now, it was the exact same weight within, a, I think it was, Point four pound, not even a half a pound difference in, right. in bows, and it was uh, at five feet per second faster. But I'm not a speed freak. I guess it's just one of the things. The Bob Lee, it's kind of like Toyota Dodge Ford, man. They're all good Chevrolet. I mean, they make all good trucks, and I drive a Toyota Tundra. But there's nothing wrong with a F-150 or a Chevrolet 1500 or a Dodge 1500. It's it's what you personally like. And right. Blackwood has been in business a long time. There's no doubt they have a cult following. There's no doubt they make a phenomenal, beautiful bow. As far as customizations, you're not you're not going to get any better than a Black Widow. All the stuff they offer and the way they customize. And one thing I, I'll tell you this too is the Black Widows being CNC machined, you're going to get the same same everything every time. Where you may not, I don't know the whole process of Bob Lee, but. Rob is in that shop and them they're they're more of a they're a smaller operation, but they're a big operation. And so right. um there there's there's a little more hands-on, I would say, than machine on, but you may get a little variance here or there. But man, I love it. And I just man, I've done killed six deer with my Bob Lee, and so you know it's kind of one of them confident things. That Bob Lee will never go nowhere, Lord willing. It'll it'll be there at the house and I'm actually making hash marks on my bottom limb of my kills, you know, and the name is just about, I want people to know this too. I don't just go kill animals. I got people begging for deer meat here. We eat deer meat and um, everything that's harvested is used. It is used. It's not wasted. It's not left to go bad. And so the deal with the Black Widow, man, I think they're amazing bows. I think Bob Lee's are great bows, but if I had unlimited funds, I would I would I would buy Bob Lee over a Black Widow. Me personally, because I like them better. They're just smoother and quieter, and they're I don't know how to explain it. They just don't stack. Their motto is, uh, I think it's no stack all whack, and they mean it. They mean business. What they say is what they mean, and uh, you just can't meet a better group of people, man. And and Black Widow's the same way. They're they're same way. So customer service. Either company's great. Uh, the reputation, either company's great. It's you know you're, you're talking about two of the two of the best there. But you know I don't know if you know this. Bob Lee is really the designer of a takedown recurve bow. I mean, I did they, know that. Yep. Yeah, and I mean he's been introduced in the Hall of Fame I think twice. I mean they know what they're doing. They and Blackwood does too. Now I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing one because I am not at all bashing one over the other, but. It's just they know how to build a recurve, 
and I got to spend time with both of them, shooting both of them, testing both of them. And it's not enough. There's not enough with one or the other, um, one or the other. But just a Bob Lee, man, it's like this. This is how I would put it. If you had a Ford Mustang and you had a Ferrari, if you had a Ford Mustang that ain't been washed in three days or you had a brand new Ferrari that had been ceramic coated and the tires glossed, to me, that's what the Bob Lee is. That's my opinion. Yeah, they've got some. Uh, I, I've I've never shot uh, a Bobbly. I've shot a, a, a Widow a PMA, you know, which is the bigger one. Great boat. But yeah, yeah. But um, I I've kind of settled on like a shorter. Like I, I've got a Grizzly here, um, and it's 58 inch ammo, right? Um, right. And, and I've shot longer bows. I've shot a 64 inch long bow. I've shot you know the Sam Sage I originally had was like 62, and I'm kind of liking this 58 inch you know AMO size just for maneuverability, just for, you know, and I know people say, well, you just get used to the longer limbs. Well, yes, but I don't want to, because I've tried it. Okay. And I I don't, you know, even, even I just sold a 59 Kodiak and um, that was, that was, I mean, not an original, but it was a, you know, 2018 repro, but um, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a 60 inch bow. Even with that, when I carried that one versus the Grizzly, it's only two inches longer. I could notice the difference. So I guess I'm trying to find, um, like uh, all, all the bows that everyone says shoots amazing lights out, whatever they're like in the 62, 64 inch range, like, like that PMA, right? That's the big riser. Um, yeah. Your Bob Lee's that is a 62. So I'm, but see the Bob Lee you can get, so you can go 60, 62 and 64 on the 19. You can drop to the 17 inch riser and you can go um, 58, 60, 62. Right, and but you can go to feel the... as good as I want it to feel at, at because it's a shorter bow. That's right. the thing. You know what I mean? I know it's going to feel amazing with the with the bigger, longer bows. What I want to know is if I'm going to shell out that kind of money, it's like, man, I want to know that my 58 inch, you know, bow, like so with with a widow, it'd be like a PCH. With um, the Bobbly, like you said, it would be like the you know 17 inch riser or whatever. That it's going to be, you know, just super smooth, well, I'll super tell stable, you this. super all that. You know? Yeah, my elite signature. Um, the 58 inch, it was a 58 inch and it was a 17 inch riser and, um, brother, I shot it. Unbelievable. I mean, it was so smooth. The only thing was, is drawing that bow to 29 inches. I felt like I got a little bottom pinky finger, uh, not pinch. I said pinch earlier, but more just, it wasn't as comfortable, but man, you talking about smooth. I figured it would stack. Everybody talks about this stacking. Mm-hmm. And um, I've not found that with any Bob Lee bow. Now, I will say this, the um, PSA, I felt like it did, even though it was 62 inches, I felt like it did stack a little bit. Really? And it may just be in, it's, you know, I call it preload, but it's stack. It's just starting to get, it's starting to pull harder. You can feel it stacking up. You know, you can feel it getting, uh, you working them limbs. But I've not shot um, yes, I have. I've shot one PMA and I liked it too. But you know, just as good as I do, anytime you get a shorter riser with a longer working limb, it's going to be smoother. So right. yeah. I've shot the Hoyt Satori's too. So I had a Hoyt Satori and that is an amazing shooting bow. That yeah, is that's a, like number I'll, three on my list. <laughs> hey, I shot it better than you both shot. It's unbelievable, yeah. but I just don't like metal. I just, to me, it's not trad enough. I know that sounds terrible, but no, no, that's no. just my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I definitely feel the stack on this on this Grizzly too, and I only pull 27 inches, and I know someone's going to say, well, they don't really stack till past 28. Well, I can feel the draw cycle change, and it's not just heavier poundage. I can feel the rate of poundage change with the, uh, you know, with right. this 58. But I shoot this bow so good, you know. But you know, I, I still like to, to to try something, you know. We always want to shoot something else, something different, you know. So those Bob Lees are really on my radar. Um, God, they're expensive though. You know what I mean? It's one of those things I'm gonna have to treat myself, you know. Down well, the road, I may but, be, you know. I may be stepping out of the box here, saying what I'm about to say, but I'll guarantee you, if you called them, and anybody out there called them and said, "Hey, I'd like to try one of your bows," and I guarantee you, if you paid it, paid for it and got it, and you didn't like it. And you sent it back, you paid shipping back, and it comes just like they got. They sent it out. They'll either give your money back or build you another bow. I about guarantee you they would do that. I, I about, I can't say for sure, but I'm sure they would do that. I've never asked them about that. Yeah, but I know I'm Widow sure does that. Would. Widow's got that demo. Yeah, that. Right. And that's a great thing for Black Widow that they have going. You know, you lose your shipping. They already pay. You pay for it up front, and you just you you. You know, it's already with return label and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. You send it back, and I think you lose 40 bucks is it. And that's that's worth it. But I'm going to tell you, you talking about trying different stuff. That's what I did. So I started this year in February, and I was trying all kinds of stuff. And I found that I wasn't being consistent. So once I settled in and went back to my hardcore stable lock, and, um, man, I'm done trying stuff. I mean, I might shoot a bow here or there, but I found something that works. I found an arrow setup that seems to to be indestructible. I've killed deer with it. It's worked. I actually have another Bob Lee on order right now being built. It is another stable lock, just like mine. I just sold my black Hawk today. Um, and I sold it because I, I wanted it. It's a bolt up. So I wanted another hardcore, just like my other one identical. So when I travel, I'll have two bows. It's going to be identical weight, identical, everything stable lock 62 inches. And then I'm, I'm dead set. I don't know that I, I know Bob Lee, they're testing some super curve limbs, carbon super curve limbs. They got a lot of things in the work. Um, they got some amazing things going to be coming out, and um, I'm excited. I know Blackwood is doing the same thing. They're messing with that G10, you mm-hmm. know, that material. I've seen Aaron Snyder's got one that he's yep. testing now with the carbon limbs. So these companies are, you know, I, I don't want to see them go to the point where they get to where, um, there starts to become a lot of failure. You know, you 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 start you get to a point where there where there starts to become a lot of stress on them limbs and starts breaking. And I want durability. And I, I can say this: my Bob Lee, I've hunted in the rain, I've hunted in thunderstorms, I've I've been in the humidity. It's been cold, and it just it just shoots. It just it just performs no matter the weather. And you know, guys talk about trad veins. Man, I hunted in a pouring down rain. And it stopped, and I shot a doe, and my feathers were totally drenched. Um, everything on me was soaked. My bow was dripping water. And, man, and I shot her a little further than I liked, 22 yards um, up in Ohio. And, man, it just – if you bear shaft tune them arrows and you do everything right, it, it that arrow's going to fly. You know what I'm saying? You hear guys talking about that. But, yeah. man, everything, was, everything I had was drenched in water, and it just – it worked. Everything worked. Yeah, when when you're when you're 
nice and you know got a decent foc and when you got when you got the thing you know perfectly tuned it it, it does fly really nice now, I, I i've been changing over to the trad veins um like if i buy arrows they got the feathers on them and i'll shoot them and i'll shoot them until i got to refletch them and when i refletch them then i refletch them with the trad veins but i mean they're quiet they're they're i mean they're they noticeably are. they're noticeably quieter than yes. feathers going down range you can hear feathers going down range you can't hear the trad trad means well even in so, your quiver but, like if you brush your quiver up against <laughs> your yeah you're right and, but you know what i love about them emra trad veins and i have some at the house they change my spine because they're heavier so i they change mm-hmm. my spine because i'm right on the verge of spine adding weight to the back so and then i get too stiff but the thing is is that I, what i love about the trad veins what i hate about them is they get uh, the high humidity weather change they get to rimpling wavy like but they um man one thing i love about them is when they're in the quiver they're such a low profile and they don't make no noise where when i'm standing i stand and hunt so i i stand in my lock ons or my um climber my lone wolf um my hand climber so i'm a stander i stand so my bow is rested on my toe held straight up and if I ain't careful, I'll rub my feathers against my leg. And, man, it makes the awfulest racket where trad veins won't do that. Right. So there's definitely yeah. advantage. I just, like I say, i got some I've messed with them. I just, you know, I've not found nothing wrong with my feathers. It's working now. But I will say this cleanup is terrible. You pretty much ruin, you know, you run blood through them feathers and it gets all in there. It's just hard to get it all washed out and right. and get the feathers back right after that. So I, I end up making my era practice era normally after that because of that. Mm-hmm. Where the trad veins, yeah. the advantage of that is rinse it off, wash it off, and you're good to go. So are you like a, a one bow guy now, you think you're going to be? I mean, as far as like, I know you got a backup bow coming, but um, yeah, are you kind of settled in on this thing be. for a while or – I would say so, brother. But man, that's like I'm so I'm so wishy washy sometimes. I say that, and then you might talk to me three weeks from now, and I got a PSA at the house. I mean, you don't never know about me, but yeah, yeah I would say I'm settled. I'm I'm settled. Um, I'm I just it's one of them confident things. It's hunting season now, so my mind's occupied with that. But yeah. in February. I may, you know, I may be, I may be shooting something, playing around with something different. I'm definitely, I will say this, if the super, I am interested in shooting some super curve limbs after talking, uh, Clay's been doing some, uh, R and D and, uh, Rob's, you know, Rob, of course, and them, and, and I'm hearing nothing but amazing, uh, amazing good feedback on these super curve limbs, how fast and smooth they are and right. how quiet they are, which is you know, so I may end up going that route, but I just can't see, like I say, they've been so good to me as far as just friendly when I call. It's just what I've taken my first deer with and what I've taken all my deer with. So I just kind of think I'm going to settle in. I got plenty of day six errors. Brian, uh, Brian that owns day six, he's been nothing but great to me as far as uh, answering any questions and helping out. And, um, and, you know, his broadheads have been just amazing. I have never seen a broadhead. And I've shot iron wheels. I've shot others. And we got a lot of rocks here. And so when I go through a deer with a lot of these other broadheads, it nicks and chips my blades up. That S30V, man, it's unbelievable. Now, mm-hmm. I'm a replacement guy. I'm not a sharpener. So people are going to laugh at this. 
I don't got time to be messing with home. I can sharpen broadheads <laughs> and I can sharpen a knife, but I just change out my blades and I go back at it. I don't, I don't, I can be shooting my bow instead of sitting in there with a Lansky or a, a Rada or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's me. I just, I would rather replace the blades and go, go back at it. And, uh, it's not like I'm killing 50 deer a year. You know what I'm saying? So it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's a, a three pack of broadheads with three replacement blades. That's six deer if you don't miss, you know, but it's, uh, that's that's my whole thing on it i think there's there's so many great options out there and people think they're expensive but man you're getting quality you're getting a quality product that don't corrode or rust no no absolutely um i haven't i haven't shot any of them i'm i still got the tough heads on here i'm i'm waiting to put put through something you know but um i think i hear people better than me have proven the tough heads so uh, yes. I, I have I have the utmost confidence, you know, in those things, and you know, and, and just just overall setup too. Like I said, I mean, I the, the, just kind of going back to the bow thing, um, you know, what I have learned over this past few years is what I don't like. You know what I mean? And that's the beauty part of like I'm a tinker, I'm a tuner, I'm a you know I I, I I'm a tinker, right? Because I, I like nerding out all that on that stuff. But I've I've realized that I don't like certain things and I do like certain things. So I sold off all the bows, you know, that I've had kind of over the past <laughs> few years that I don't like. You know, one didn't have right. a good enough, you know, I didn't like the grip on it because it was too fat. One was too long. One was, it, it sh- you know, that, that 59 Kodiak, it's a beautiful bow, you know, but it shot consistently left for me, no matter what. It didn't shoot where I was looking. And I'm like, you know what, I don't want to have to compensate when I'm trying to shoot this thing for real, you know, my Grizzly, this is a 1966 Bear Grizzly. This thing's older than I am, you know, and it shoots lights out for me. And, and, you know, if I don't get a shot, it's my fault, not the, not the bow's fault. But, you know, I, I've, I, I guess the good part about buying and selling all these bows and trying all this stuff and tuning is you just really realize, okay, I like this type of shelf. I don't like, I don't, you know, I don't like this. I like this type of limb. I don't like this. I like this type of grip. I don't like this. So you narrow down. So I'm looking for that, like the perfect bow now. And it, and everything I've, I've seen grip wise is, you know, kind of like a, like a Tolkien grip or like a bobbly kind of grip. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where, well, I'm you at. know, a man told me something good. He says, you'll date a few bows until you marry one. There you go. And I believe there's a lot of truth to that because I, and, and I'm still, like I say, I'm still new at all this. And, uh, but I just, it's kind of like this. We got a Ford 3600 tractor at the, at my grandparents where I grew up at. And you can buy a new Kubota, you can buy a new John Deere, but nothing beats that old Ford 3600. They built their tractors right in the eighties. And that tractor has over 8,000 hours on it, and it just still goes. I mean, it just still runs. It's just, it's a beast. And it works. And I know I know the gears on it. I know where to run the PTO at on it because I grew up on it. Right. You give me a new tractor, it's trying to learn everything new, and it just don't seem, it just, it, it, it performs the same. It'll do the same jobs, but it just, it might, it, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I don't know it as good. That Bob Lee. When I grab that thing up and I draw that bow back and there's a deer standing there, there's that confidence factor of knowing, hey, they've done been blood on this thing. You know, this thing is it's performed. It's done. It's it's I've put the air where it's needed to go with this bow. And realistically, at the end of the day, it's more us than it is the equipment. 
Right. Um, I mean, you need to have properly tuned equipment and, and good equipment set up right. It don't have to be the most expensive. And back to prices, you were talking about, the, they are expensive. I mean, it's not it's not cheap. And I wouldn't be able to, it's not, I'm not a rich man by no means. I am in the Lord, but, you know, as far as just having loads of money, that ain't, that ain't something, you know, I just don't have piles of income pouring in. So it's an investment. When you spend that kind of money, mm-hmm. when you're spending $1,500, $1,600 on a bow, you need to know you like it right. because the resale value, man, you know how it is. Now, we'll say this. Black Widows and Bob Lees do hold their value. They uh, hold right. their value incredible. You will not hardly – you can get on any archery talk, trad gang, and you can look for hardcores in the 45-pound range in a 62-inch, a, a 60, 62-inch bow in the 45-pound range. You're not going to find one for sale used hardly ever ever mm-hmm. if you do because and if you do it's almost full price because they hold their value right. and people don't people don't get rid of them so that says a lot about the company that means somebody's liking something and you know but you're right they're expensive and you want to make sure you're going to like it before you dump that kind of money because man 1600 bucks is a good cheap used car you know i mean oh yeah that's uh it's a lot of money but you're getting what you pay for too i mean you're getting I think they're still using Gordon Glass. Um, I don't think they're using all Bear Paw. They might be using some Bear Paw, but, um, you know, they're using, I mean, they're using some of the best, uh, best technology, best materials. And, uh, you know, they're using foreign woods. I like a Micarta because I like the weight. That's where you get the weight is in that Micarta. Right. And, and I like the mass weight and that helps with uh, vibration and noise as well. But, Stability right, and though. torquing and everything like that in your hand. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, but you know, the, the like you go to it, say you get a, a hardcore, that's cosmetic. That's wood over top of Micarta. It's more cosmetic. You can get a black caulk, which is a solid black Micarta riser, and with any color veneers you want, or you can do, they got one called an Abyss, which is black glass, and mm-hmm. I think they're like 995 bucks, and they perform the exact same. There was a, a, is there one called a Nighthawk or something like that, or? Um, there was, there, I'm not there was there was a black one, not all black, but this, uh, it was on for I think it was I can't remember it was on one of these forums or archery talk for like 550 or something like that. You know, I was looking real hard at it, like, eh, but I kind of want some wood on there too. But that was just all all my carta, you know. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and you know that's but see they use a lot of the phenolic micarta in the black wood is too to get that weight because right. I like weight. Most guys I think do. Um, the guys that don't, most of them are shooting, I think, they're not shooting three-piece recurves. They're shooting one-piece longbows, you know. Skinny and, longbows, yeah. Right. And, you know, I know Dalton and them shoot them Omegas, and I hear Kagan, I believe his name, I hear mm-hmm. he makes a phenomenal longbow. I've never shot one for the money. I hear Keegan, I believe is his name, He, yep. I believe they build phenomenal uh, one-piece longbows for the money. I think they're some of the best you can buy from what I hear, you know, hear people talking about. but. That's they're, the yeah, deal, they're, you know. they're very affordable, very durable, utilitarian, um, and 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 that's I'm not saying that as a knock. Like he's he's been on the podcast before. Those are his words, you know. Like he's he just wants to hit that price point, and that uh, you know, and he just makes like a like a like a like a bomb proof bow, and that's that's the long bow that I had. I had a 64 inch uh, Omega original. And uh, but again, I just didn't get along with the grip, and I didn't like that it was too long. You know, that's not a fault right. of the bow. That's just the bow that he makes you know what i mean nothing you know uh, against that it's just uh you know uh, 
it, it wasn't, didn't work uh, for you. It, it didn't work for me, for but yeah. everybody, you know, raves about how they shoot and they do shoot amazing and they're fast and they're durable. And yeah, I mean, you can't, you really can't go wrong if you're going to dabble into the, um, you know, reflex, deflex, uh, longbow world you know, with a, uh, with an Omega, you know, so yeah, man. So we've been going well over an hour and a little bit now. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we uh, call it a night here? No, man, it's been a, it's been a real privilege to, uh, I appreciate you reaching out and I just, I'll be glad to answer anybody's questions. They can reach out to me anyway. I don't know. Like I say, I don't know a whole bunch. Just only thing I can tell people, man, is, is get out and hunt and enjoy the outdoors and, you know, get in the woods and just hunt smart, act like the deer, find the deer and don't pressure them. You know, don't be leaving a bunch of scent and practice, just, uh, shoot your bow and, and get confident in what you got, you know, that's, that's the thing. I was dedicated. I laid the, you know, I laid the compound down and went straight traditional. And I, I don't see myself, I don't see myself going back, brother. I mean, I absolutely just, I, I love it. I, you know, I just, even if I wasn't, even if I didn't, now I had, I, I want to share this real quick before I get off here. So three, four weeks ago, I got another buck, a really, really good deer, four and a half year old, um, which is unusual for him to reach that age structure where I hunt at um, in the county I hunt here in North Carolina. That deer came in 12 yards, but I did not take the shot because, because I mean, beautiful shot quartering away, but there was a few little branches and limbs. And so what I want to tell people is this, is that you may have another day and you may not have another day with that deer, but it's better to not take crazy shots because that's how you're going to get discouraged. You start shooting deer facing you. You start shooting deer going away from you. And you just start slinging arrows out of excitement. A lot of times, brother, I think we are more scared of the deer than they are of us. What I mean is, is I noticed in my earlier days of bow hunting, a deer would come in and, man, i jump up and grab my bow. My knees are knocking. I'm so tore up. And I'm shaking and my air is bouncing off the shelf. And, and I love that feeling. But I think we're so afraid we rush the shot more oftentimes than none than if we'll just be patient and we'll just sit tight and sit still and just focus on what that deer's body posture is. Let Read the deer. Let the deer tell us what, what he or she's doing. Watch her tail. Watch their ears. Watch their nose. Watch if they're checking the wind. You can tell if a deer's nervous or not. But I think a lot of times we as deer hunters – and I think a lot of shots are made that are bad, and I've made bad shots, um, are, are not all the time, but a lot of time it's due to the deer's reaction. We're, we're, the deer, we get so shook up, then the deer notices we're there, then the deer is all, you know, it's on pins and needles, then we're trying to make a shot, and the deer's ducking, right. twisting. And so I think for these guys out here that are deer hunters, including myself, one thing we could learn is just watch your scent. Find good stand location, find the feed trees, find the bedding areas, don't overpressure a spot. And then when we do have an opportunity at an animal to take our time, go through everything and, and just wait on that perfect shot opportunity and not just take wild, random, crazy shots, knowing that we could wound or cripple an animal where we may have another day where we hunt that animal again. And it presents itself in a way that's just a beautiful, a beautiful posture in which we can take a a really successful lethal shot because we don't want to see these animals suffer we we take these animals you know in a way to be uh, to feed our families but also 
it's a part of conservation. I mean, it's a part of of managing wildlife, and so that's the thing I think. And and I think anybody getting in the trad is you don't have to have you don't have to go buy a brand new bobbly, you don't have to go buy a brand new um, you don't have to go buy a brand new black widow. Get you a samic sage, get you something cheap, get out, sling some airs, have fun in the off season, and then move towards you know getting you a custom bow if that's what you want to do and um, getting your air set up and, you know, moving towards that. And so you can get into this thing for, for, you know, pennies on the dollar compared to hundreds on the thousand, so to speak, when you get into the high end stuff. So I don't want anybody to think that you got to have this or have that to be successful. It's more about woodsmanship than anything, you know, being in the woods and, and learning the deer. I agree a hundred percent. That's uh that's a good place to wrap up, man. We're, uh, where can everybody find you? What's that? I said, where can everybody find you? Well, they can find me on Instagram. I don't, I don't do Facebook much. Um, it's Dusty underscore Roberts fifty four, and anybody can call me. I'll throw my cell phone number out there. I don't care. It's eight two eight eight five 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 four eight zero. You can call, text me anytime if I can be a help to anybody. Um, that's, I'm here to be a help if I can be a help and I'm here to learn and hear you stories and see your success photos too. If anybody wants to text pictures, I just, I want to see people be successful. I rejoice in it. I got a picture yesterday of a young boy. I got into bow hunting. He killed two deer yesterday nice. um, out with his bow and just, that just tore me up. You know, I rejoiced as if I were the one that harvested those animals. So anybody can That's reach amazing. me anytime, Emra. And I, I really appreciate you, my friend. No, and I appreciate you being on here because like I said, I've been following you, you know, for the last like several months here, I guess. And then, you know, I think you're the only person that's kind of other than Aaron Snyder in, in, in my view that switched over and had so much success so quickly that, um, you know, I'm like, man, I got to talk to this guy to see how this transition was and what, what he's done. So, but I mean, I think the underlying thing is that, you know, you were a damn good hunter before, you know, and you just, you just happened to change your weapon. So, you know, man, it's, it's been all the Lord. It's the Lord. It's, it's nothing I do. It's just the Lord. That's all I can say. Some people just have different gifts and talents and the Lord, I'm not a good archer. I'm just, the Lord's blessed me. It's, it's all the glory goes to the Lord. And, you know, I just thank him for what he's done and, and presented. I thank him for these podcasts. I mean, it's guys like you that know how to use this technology. You are appreciated, <laughs> my friend. Seriously, you are appreciated because you don't realize these people that you've had on have been people that have helped me be more successful by listening to their success and listening to their their point of view. So I, I appreciate you uh, for taking the time. And I really feel privileged and honored that you reached out to me. I want you to know that. No, no, it was it was a pleasure talking to you, man. So uh, stay with me while I uh, after after we stop recording here, and then uh, so anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, you know, again, if you guys got any questions, you know, re- reach out to Dusty. He he threw it out there. You know, he maybe he can help along help you guys along with your journey or whatever. And uh, definitely go check out uh, the Bowhunting Soul YouTube channel, uh, Instagram. All that kind of stuff. Got T-shirts for sale. Uh, doing a link in the in the um, link in the bio, as they say in, in Instagram. So, thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks.